what kind of music do elves listen to? Rap. Rap, get it? Rap, okay. This is for you parents. What Christmas carol is the favorite of parents? Man, you guys are on with it, yeah. Sound like some of you guys would would like a silent night. Um, All right, I don't think you're going to get this one. What do you get when you cross an apple with a Christmas tree? A pineapple. All right, and here's some Jesus jokes for you. All right, uh, what, how, how do you make a reindeer fast? You don't feed it. Fast, you know, like fast. <clears throat> Bunch of heathens. All right. What did Adam say on the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. And that's my last one for you. I'm just killing time while they get their costumes on. How are we doing back there, guys? Almost ready. All right. So during our Wednesday night Bible studies, we, we open up the Word of God. Uh, we, bought, we bought Bibles. Uh, I felt like the Lord had spoken to me uh, several years ago uh, in relation to how we gave Bibles, we, which was nothing wrong with what we did. We give out Bibles uh, every graduation to our graduates. But the Lord kind of spoke to me one May and said, why don't we just start giving them Bibles now? And so I, I went out immediately. I didn't ask for permission. I just went out and bought a bunch of Bibles. And so they know on Wednesday nights that if they don't have a Bible, they can't afford a Bible, they can just take one of those Bibles homes. And so we keep those Bibles there on Wednesday nights, and we open them up. And I bought notebooks, and I bought notebooks so that we could, we could write down what God is speaking to us on Wednesday nights. And so they've been writing down some things, and we've been looking at some of the characteristics of Mary and Joseph and Zachariah and Elizabeth and the topic that we're going to speak about this morning. And so uh, they're going to be assisting me with this story today. You guys dressed yet? All right, y'all come on out. So here we have uh, Mary and Joseph. Where are you at, Mary and Joseph? Mary and Joseph, y'all come on over here. They're going to stand right here. This is Mary and Joseph. Man, uh, Joseph wore Nikes. All right. <laughs> and we had, uh, we had Elizabeth and Zechariah. Um, and we've got some angels right here, so they're going to be assisting me. If you just bear with us just for a few moments, I'm, I'm, a few moments, I'm going to read through this passage, and they're going to act it out just so we can get a visual of what is taking place. And so... Uh, Jay uh, had already given some history about this story this morning about Zechariah and how he, uh, you know, was silenced and, and how he began to prophesy. And so we're going to pick up a little bit before that. It says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 6, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the eyes of God, careful to obey all of, of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Yeah. (laughs) One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was was being burned, A great crowd stood outside praying, and while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing right at the altar. There he is. 
Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. And, and you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord, and he must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man of the, the spirit and power of Elijah. And this, and this part is to fulfill the prophecy that we were, were looking at last week about how God was going to send this, this person. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will return the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm, very, I'm a very old man, and my wife is, you know, she's getting kind of old. Paraphrasing there. Uh, then the, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God, and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you, you didn't believe what I said, you will be silenced. For my words will certainly be, be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile... People were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering what in the world is taking so long in there. And he, was fin- he finally did come out, and he couldn't speak. And they realized from his gestures that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He, was, he finally came out, and he saw a vision. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, see, he continued this for, for a week, silenced. Then he went, he went home. And soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and she and went into seclusion for five months. And she said this, how kind the Lord is. She exclaimed, he has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Good job, Elizabeth and Zachariah. All right, we're going to change scenes over here. We've got Mary and Joseph. And if we look in, uh, there's two passages I'm going to read from Luke. 1 and 26 says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will, he will be very great, and you and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more is your relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And so meanwhile, God was speaking and and working in in the lives of Mary and, and Elizabeth, but he wasn't also just speaking to them, but he was confirming what he said 
through Joseph. And so this is what happened with Joseph. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Matthew 1 and 8. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. I underline that, righteous man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break off the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, (laughs) as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the, the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his, as his wife. But he did not have relations with her until the son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Give our actors a hand this morning. You guys can be seated. So there's a few things that we wrote down on on our Wednesday night classes that I want to bring out this morning. As we unwrap this on Wednesday nights, I want to, to, to bring that to you this morning. So Heavenly Father... I pray that you speak to us this morning, and Lord, not just speak to us, because Lord, you're always speaking to us, but Lord, let us hear what you're saying to us. Lord, let us hear what you're saying to us in in a different way, in a way that changes our lives, in the name of Jesus, amen. 400 years is a long time to wait and and to, to, to wait for God to speak and to not hear from God. That's a long time. That's generation after generation after generation after generation. And I don't know a whole whole lot about Mary and Joseph and, and Zachariah and Elizabeth other than what the Bible teaches us. But there's something that caught my attention as I studied and read the scripture. And one thing that I, 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 I know is that the way that, that Mary and Joseph were and Elizabeth and Zechariah, the way they lived as holy and righteous people did not happen by an accident. It didn't happen by an accident. It says in Matthew 1.19 that, that he was a righteous man. In Luke 6, it says that uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. In Luke 1.38, it says that Mary is the Lord's servant. You know, waiting can be a difficult thing to do. This past week, uh, Brittany and I went out and we did some Christmas shopping. And we just kind of made a date night of it and tried to knock out as much Christmas shopping as we could for our children. And Brittany uh, is, is very proactive and is very organized, a lot more than I am. And she has wrapped our Christmas presents and put them in the attic. How many of you guys do that? Nobody? Wow. Like I said, she is very organized and proactive. So my three-year-old was with Brittany while she was doing this, and she was just in there kind of playing, minding her own business. Well, the next day, uh, Malachi and Adelaide and Everly are all at home, and they, they wander up into the attic, 
um, and we did not know what, what was going on. And my, my three-year-old gives Malachi permission. And that's all, that's all he needed was the permission from my three-year-old to open some gifts. And so he did that. And he knew he wasn't supposed to do it. Um, but sometimes kids, they just are mischief and they, they get in trouble, right? And uh, as the job of a parent is to correct them and to, uh, and to love them through that. And so he could not wait and, and I even asked him, he, he told on himself, and this is where they messed up. They came downstairs. I don't know how long they had been up there in the attic just having a good old time, having cr- early Christmas in the attic. And he comes down and he's got these goggles on his head and he's, and he's got this, uh, this little chisel and rock set. And he's like, dad, I really need help like opening and doing this present. And, and I was like, wait a second, like, where did you get that? And this this look of worry just came over his face, like, oh, man, I just told on myself. And so we, we loved him through that, and we corrected him through that, but he did blame it on Everly. He said, <laughs> she told me I could do it. Um, waiting can be a hard thing to do. They were in a season of waiting, Mary and Joseph and, and the people of this generation. They were in a season of waiting. And there's one thing that I noticed is that they were waiting in righteousness. They were waiting in faithfulness. And, and you see, when we try to open the, the gift that God has for us too soon, it does not go over very well. Too soon. Too soon. See, we can't, we can't push our agenda on what God is doing. You see, God has his own timing. And if we're faithful and we live in righteousness and, and, and we serve God, you know, God will open the door for us. And when the time is right, we can walk through in obedience through that door. If you believe that, say amen. Habakkuk 2 and 2 says this. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Verse 3, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, I underline this next part, wait patiently, for it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. A practical way for you to remember what God is speaking to you is to write it down. To write it down. You know, we have God's words here because somebody wrote it down, and they are still speaking to us today. As we, as we wait patiently for Christ's final return, we can, we can look and see what God has already spoken and still speaks to us in our life today. What will you do? What will you do when you're not hearing from God If you're in a season of of waiting on God, the best thing that you can do is just wait patiently and and wait in righteousness. And even though God was silent, these people, they were faithful. And the fact that, that they were righteous people did not happen by an accident. You see, no, godliness and righteousness is passed down from generation to generation. And somewhere along the way, they wrote it down what God had spoken Somewhere along the way, somebody remembered God's faithfulness. We have a good God. We have a faithful God. Righteousness does not happen by an accident. Living in righteousness is 
intentional. The next thing that I want to bring out is that God can speak to us where we are. God speaks to us where we are. Several years ago, we took a mission trip to Columbia, and we took 20 people from our church, along with 10 others from another church, and we're traveling all over Columbia. We chartered a bus, and our, uh, we didn't know the bus driver, but he was traveling. Uh, we were traveling all over, like two hours at a time. We'd be somewhere else every day, preaching and doing a children's service and uh, doing ministry for, for children and just serving in the local churches there. And it's nothing like the churches here. I mean, they, are, they were dirt poor, dirt poor. And uh, we're, we're in this small church, and the place is packed out. We had been in the school systems, supposed to be doing an anti-drug program earlier that day. Uh, but we were, we were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and inviting them to come. And so it was, there was all this hype and all of these people that were surrounded in this church building that night. And Pastor Darrell was speaking that night at this children's service. And he spoke on uh, David and Goliath. And it was a great service. You know, we had puppets and skits, and it was just, it was awesome. But at the end, as he's speaking, he gives an altar call. And there were some children that came up, and they got saved. But one thing that I really remember about that trip was that our bus driver, the one that had been driving us around and witnessing the ministry that, that we were doing, and Columbia came forth in a children's service and received Jesus Christ into his heart. And I hope and I pray that he's still living that life of, of, and, and walking in salvation. But you never know who God is going to speak to, where God is going to speak to them. And you never know when God is going to speak through you to somebody else. So what we do is we, we are obedient in, in speaking to people and in and, and obedient and living by faith and righteousness. And God can use those moments to speak to us just like he spoke to this bus driver. You see, these people, Mary and Joseph and, and Zachariah and Elizabeth, they didn't have to be in a special place for God, They didn't have to go to this special place of worship and this special room. They were going about their everyday life. In Matthew 1, it says that, that God spoke to Joseph in a dream. Luke 1, 11, it says that he spoke to Zechariah as he was working in the temple, just going throughout his daily life. Luke 1 and 26 says that, that uh, she was in, Mary was in her village and God came and he sent that angel and he spoke to these people where they were and God can speak to you where you're at today. Whatever your situation is today, no matter where you're at in life, God can speak to you and through you. He wants to do a work in our lives, even at home, even at home. And so the next thing that, that we wrote down on Wednesday nights is that we, we noticed that they responded. There was, there was a response. And they responded ultimately in obedience. Zachariah's initial response was disbelief because of their old age and because of his situation and, and where he was in life. Like, how can this happen? God, how can you do this? And, and it was disbelief. He was silenced. Because of, because of that. But you see, 
ultimately it resulted in obedience. And, and through his obedience, he named him John. And God said that he was filled, or the Bible says that he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he began to prophesy. The power of the Holy Spirit was evident. Mary's response was basically, basically this. God, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm your servant. I'm your servant. I hope that everything that you have said comes true. And the angel said this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Joseph responded also in obedience by taking Mary as his wife. And so when God speaks to us, we walk in faith and we respond in obedience. God, I don't know how this is possible. I don't know how this is going to work, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm believing in you and I'm having trust in you and I'm just going to walk in obedience to what you're telling me to do. It is the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. And I believe that's my next slide. The Holy Spirit will make the difference. I, I was at the state fair this past fall and we had been walking around and I was getting rather thirsty and so I wanted to order a sweet tea. So I woke up to the stand and uh, I try to order a sweet tea. Well, the guy fills it up, he hands it across to me, and uh, he says how much it would be, and I hand him my credit card. He says, I'm sorry, we don't take credit card. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I really want to just take a sip and then hand it back. <laughs> but the, the lady behind me, she overheard what was happening, and, and she reached across, and she handed the man the money, and she said, I'll pay for it. What a kind lady. Man, I really wanted that sweet tea. And so I thanked her, and that was just, it was awesome. And, and what I thought at the time was going to be impossible, because I didn't have cash. I rarely ever carry cash. I didn't think I was going to get my sweet tea. Somebody uh, lent a hand. They gave me that extra help that I needed so that I could have my sweet tea. You see, it's the Holy Spirit in our lives that makes the difference. It's the Holy Spirit that, it's that extra hand that, that helps us and, and, that, and that helps us accomplish what God is calling us to do. See, Mary and Joseph and Zechariah, they all responded in various ways that, that it, it resulted in obedience to God. And even though God's plan seemed humanly and practically impossible, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that made the difference. The power of the Holy Spirit can make a difference in your life. It can make a difference in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and, and God's plan will be conceived within you. And when the time is right, God's plan will come to birth and it will come to pass in your life and God's word will never fail. If you believe that, say amen. 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 We see, we don't just listen to God's word, but in, in uh, God's word, it tells us this. But don't just listen to God's word, but you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. We don't need to be hearers, just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. When God speaks to us, we obey. I'm going to speak to our, our parents just for a little while, um, and I'm not trying to leave anybody out this morning, but 
I really felt strongly that God was speaking to me about this as I prepared. And uh, it is this, that parents are the spiritual leaders of the home. Parents are the spiritual leaders of the home. You've heard the, the statement, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, I've got something for us to think about this morning. What, what happens in your home it stays with your child. It doesn't easily depart your child. What happens at home stays with your children. It, it's Whether healthy or unhealthy, See, God can take an unhealthy situation and, and he can turn it around and he can bring healing into, into a home. But you see, as a parent, you are a spiritual leader and what goes on your home will stay with your child. So I have a few questions for you. And, and I want to be, I, I'm working on this too. I'm, I'm a parent and, and I want to be a parent who passes on a blessing and not a curse to my children. And so, these are some questions that I thought of. What are we passing on to our children at home? What are we allowing to influence us at home? And this is a big one. This is one we all, this is for everybody. Is there spiritual silence in our homes? See, we can come to church and, and we can hear from the Lord, but that's only for an hour, maybe two hours a week. Is there spiritual silence in your homes? Are we opening God's word in our homes and allowing God to, to speak to us? Are we keeping up with what God is doing or are we keeping up with the Kardashians? You see, we need to keep up with what God is doing and what God wants to do in our life. It's time to break spiritual silence in our homes. And I believe God has called you parents to be a spiritual leader in your household. And it's not too late to start. If you feel like, oh man, I've blew it. I've, I've messed it up. It's not too late to start. No matter how old you are, it is not too late to be a spiritual leader in your home. God can still use you to lead your family. You see, I, I also believe this. I don't believe children should be punted to the church in hopes that they are received and that something good is going to happen. We have a call. We have a responsibility as parents to, to train our children in the way they should go. And, and I want to give you some practical examples this morning, something that will help you to accomplish this. The first thing is you go together. The second thing, and I'm going to explain these two, is you grow together. Parents, I want to commend you and, and congratulate you for bringing your family to church. Pat on the back. That is awesome. I'm so glad that you bring your children to church. And I know that sometimes it could be easier to sleep in and not bring your kids to church. I know that it can maybe be easier just to go to work. And, and not have to get dressed up and get up early and get your whole family and take them to church. But you've made a commitment. You've made a, a commitment to bring your family to church. And you see, that is something that will be passed on from generation to generation. That is something that will be passed on, something positive to your children. So good job. Keep on doing that. You go together. My parents took me to church every time the door was open. 
I remember on one specific occasion how my dad took me to a men's fellowship breakfast. And at this men's fellowship breakfast, um, I felt like God had, had spoken to me. I was eight years old. Eight years old. And I remember as, as we're sitting there and we're eating bacon and sausage and biscuits and gravy and just kind of hanging out with the guys, the, the guy gave a, a devotion and, and I felt like that, that God, I felt God's presence in, in my life. And I began to weep at eight years old. I began to just cry, just uncontrollably. I just, I was overwhelmed by, by the presence of God. And the man that was speaking, he stopped what he was doing, and he like came over to me. And, and he began to pray over me and to, to prophesy and to speak things over my life. And I, re, I remember those things that he said about my ministry and, and where I w- would go in ministry. And I didn't, I didn't fully understand that at the time at eight years old, but I, I, I really do remember that. It was 10 years later at church. My parents, like I said, were still taking me to church. Um, I was in, in youth group and I, and I remember during the service, during worship, that God just, I felt like God had spoken to me, just not in a, in a loud verbal way, but in, in the still small voice in my, in my spirit that I was supposed to go into ministry of some sort. And I felt, I felt God's call on my life at 18 years old. It was five years later, I was sitting at my computer and and I was looking at, at music through iTunes, and that's back when you had to buy music. And I felt God speak to me that, that now was the time, and that, and that in that moment, I felt God speak to me at that moment, and I, I, would just, I just began to weep. It was that same presence of God that I felt as an eight-year-old child. And I walk into the bedroom where Brittany is at, and, and she's getting ready for bed, and God was speaking to her at the exact same time. She knew exactly what was going on. And, and we talked through that, and, and we went to the, some of the leaders in the church and, and Pastor Allison, and they loved us through that, and they helped us through that. And it's been 10 years. Uh, we've been a minute, full-time ministry here at Nortonsville Church of God. Thank you. And I don't say that to, to get an applause. And I don't say that to say, hey, look at, look at me. But I say that because I believe that God can speak to even a child. God can speak to, 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 to an, a teenager. God can speak to an adult. And God can open a door. And when the time is right, see, I was eight years old. And it was years later before God opened the door. But God opened the door. And that's when we walk in obedience. When God opens that door, we walk in obedience. You may not know all the details. You may not know God's plan exactly, but we walk in obedience. So we go together. Take your children to church. And the next thing is we grow together. And please let me encourage you to let what you experience in here, not just stay in here, but to flow into your homes and so that you can experience God even at home and that God can speak to you and through you even at home. You see, sometimes my parents, um, something, or something my parents used to do is they would pray with us at home. And that was passed on to me. 
They would do devotions with us at home. And they would read the Bible with us at home. And, and we would grow together at home. And you see, that was passed down to me, and that's something that I want to pass down to my children. And I, and I pray that generation after generation after generation, long after I'm gone, that they are still living righteously and honoring God and honoring God. You can pass these things down in your home. Second Timothy 3 and 15 says this, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have, been, they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and, and is useful to teach us what is true and, and make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. In verse 17, it says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to every good work. Something else my parents did was that they, they gave us a Bible. Every year for Christmas, it seemed like I was getting the Bible. It might have not have been every year, but what they were doing, it's not that I didn't already have a Bible. They were trying to emphasize that this is the way. This is what you need. And so they would write a message in the front, and they would hand me or give me a Bible. I'd run, unwrap it. And at the time, I'm like, oh, yeah, another Bible. Um, but it was a precious gift and an invaluable gift. You can't put a price on this gift. Parents, I encourage you, get your family a Bible. Get your children a Bible. If you can't afford a Bible, come see me. I'll give you one of the Bibles that I have. I have a lot of them from Christmas presents over the years. But the Bible is full of instructions about how we can conduct our families. And man, Pastor Greg, I feel like I could do a whole nother... Uh, sermon on this to, to parents and about, our, and, and about how we should, should live at home and, and the instructions we have for parents and husbands and wives. Guys, it's in here. It's in here. These are the instructions that we need to live godly lives, even at home. And my closing thought is this, and if somebody would come to the keyboard, my closing thought is this. Is it well with your home? Is it well with your home? Husbands, is it well with your wife? Wives, is it well with your husband? Parents, is it well with your children? Children, is it well with your parents? Is your home a happy home? You see, because the joy of the Lord can be in your home and it can fill your home. The joy of the Lord can be your strength. Have you invited Christ into your home? You see, it's one thing to invite Christ into your life and to come on Sunday and to say a prayer and say, Lord, come into my heart. But did you take him into your home? Guys, I'm not trying to, to condemn anybody or discourage anybody. You can do this. This is something that you can do. This is something practical that you can do. You can bring God into your home. You see, there's a story about Zacchaeus and how he climbed into the tree. And, and as, as Christ passed by, Christ said, said, I'm coming to your house today. And he brought him into his house. God wants to come into your home. Jesus wants to come into your home. Will you invite him into your home?
You see, Jesus himself was a product of a godly home. And the love of God needs to be, it needs to be full in our, in our homes. Our, our homes need to be full of the love of Christ. And Satan would love nothing more than to, to wreck our homes and to wreck our marriages and, and wreck our relationships with one another. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Christ can be Lord of your home. Christ can be the strength that you need in your marriage. Christ can be the strength that you need in your homes. But before you do that, you need to make Christ Lord of your life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Christ came and he fulfilled the, the, the prophecies that were told from years ago. He was the promised one and he came and he died for our sins and he took on the punishment for our sins so that we didn't have to endure that, that punishment and we are forgiven. And it's through the blood and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that we are made cleansed and we are made white as snow. And it's by his grace and his goodness that we can pick ourselves back up and say, God, I'm sorry. I want to follow you. I want to deny myself. I want to pick up my cross and I want to follow you. Christ wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be the Lord of your home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you could say this morning, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart this morning, slip up your hand. Nobody looking around. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. You say, I've, I've never really done this before, and I, I just wanted to accept Christ. I want to make this commitment in my life this morning, this Christmas season. I urge you and I encourage you to accept Christ into your life. If, if you want to do that this morning, you say, I want to accept Christ. I want to make that step. I want to let you know that it's more than, than raising your hand. It's more than saying a prayer. It's not just a few magic words, but it is a lifestyle, and it's a new step forward. It is an act of repentance, of turning completely, a 180-degree turn away from the world, away from the sin, away from the things that we used to do, and, and going towards God and saying, God, transform my life. God, transform my life. If you want to do that this morning, slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. If everybody would just repeat after me, Lord, come into my life. I want to follow you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose on the third day. And Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I want to pick up my cross. And I want to follow you. Praise God. The, the Bible says that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. The angels in heaven are rejoicing for the salvations that were received this morning, for the commitment that you made. And I want to encourage you that it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop here. This is only the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. God wants to transform your life. God wants to transform your family. Praise Jesus. say this morning, I not only want to make God Lord of my life, but I want 
I want to, to, to start something new and I want to invite Christ into my home. If that's you, slip up your hand. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. I want to make Christ Lord of my home. I want God to speak to me at home. I want God to speak to my family at home. I want, I want this to be passed down from generation to generation to generation. If that's you, one more time, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, come into our homes. Lord, change our marriages. Change our relationships with our kids and with our parents and with family members. Lord, be the center of our relationship. And Lord, as we grow closer to you, God, I pray that we would grow closer together, that you would draw us together and that we would grow together and for for what you have for our families. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just pass down the good things of this world and the the fun things of this world and and the sports and the entertainment and, and, and all of the things of this world, but Lord, that we would prioritize what's really important. And Lord, that we would pass down godliness and righteousness and, and serving you faithfully. I pray all of these things in the precious, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Greg.